I'm right on the verge of a ring right there, Derek. If you could just peel me back just a hair. Thank you, sir. There we go. Uh, I want to talk to you today about three courtrooms. Three courtrooms. Do you know that there are three courts you are appearing before every day of your life, or at least you should be three? For once, you need to know this. You appear before the court of heaven where prayer is heard and the throne of grace is established. I hope you're appearing at that court every day because that's an important court. Then you appear before the court of your own soul or you could say your conscience every day. Whether you want to or not, you're in that court. You don't get to choose to be at that court. You're in it more than you care to be. And then you appear before the court of public opinion. And you don't get to choose to be in that court either. You're just there. The only one you get to choose to be in is the high court of heaven where prayer is heard. And the throne of grace is established. Now, you're appearing and you're battling in, in at least two of these courts each and every day, whether you like it or you don't. And how well you do in those two laurel courts that I mentioned, this court of the soul, the court of public opinion, is determined by whether or not you appear as you should before the highest court. If you're not going into the highest court, you're not equipped for the two lower courts. Let me say that again. If you're not going into the highest court, you're not equipped for the two lower courts. See, you've you got to understand that in the highest court, any case against you has been shut. Come on. It's been thrown out. Yep. You're appearing there to get what you don't deserve on the basis of the obedience of Jesus. That's why you go into the highest court. Yep. You don't have to prove your innocence in the highest court. Mm, that's so good. You get to walk into that courtroom boldly expecting to walk out with what you went in there to ask for. Wow. You go in expecting good. The high court rules in your favor when you go into the high court the right way. If you go into the high court the right way, you are heard and you can expect to receive. Now, just so you know, you're not, you're not going to win in a lower court if you haven't learned how to appear before the highest court and claim what's been ruled on your behalf in the highest court. You're going to lose cases in the lower courts. The lower courtroom of the soul can be the most challenging in this case. It is in that courtroom where you determine you've been right or wrong based on the accusations being brought against you by your enemy. And oftentimes by your own conscience if you haven't developed it well. Look with me, if you will, at Revelations 12. Verses 10 through 12. I want to show you something here so that you understand what you have at your disposal as a believer in Jesus Christ. Because it's so important to get this down. Because you want to walk in victory, right? You know? You, you need to be able to walk in the victory that Jesus secured for you. Revelations 12 verse 10. It says, Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength 
and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. For the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows that he has a short time. Your enemy is diligent, vigilant, determined. He's a really good prosecuting attorney. He's no longer able to accuse you before the throne like he did with Job. There are no modern day Job's, by the way. Satan was thrown out of heaven. You remember in the case of Job, he was appearing before God in heaven and bringing an accusation. An accusation that the only reason Job praised God was because God had blessed Job so greatly. By the way, if you go even into the Old Testament, you see how greatly God blesses men of God. They're blessed. And they're not ashamed to be in it. Satan was thrown out of heaven. He can't go before the throne anymore. Now he's enraged against those belonging to God. He knows he's got a short time. He's out to derail any of the plans and purposes God has for you in your life. That's what he's out to do. He is a well-practiced, expert, prosecuting attorney. He's been practicing this since the dawn of man. He's been working at this. His craft He's been working on it a long time, way longer than you've been alive. And he knows way more than you've had time to accrue knowledge of. You are not equipped in yourself to stand up against him. Are you hearing me? He's looking to derail the plans and purposes of God in your life. How does he set out to do this? Well, he works by bringing accusation against you in the courtroom of your soul. He's a good prosecution lawyer. He's going to raise some pretty clever arguments as to why you should be ashamed, as to why you should feel guilty, as to why you should feel condemned, as to why you should feel like God can't use you, as to why you could say that you're not an effective witness, as to why you should question whether or not you could be healed, as to why you should question. Do I need to keep going? On what basis does he accuse you? Well, he accuses you on the basis of the law with regard to your flesh. No one is more zealous for the law than Satan is. Not even the Pharisees can compete with him. When he's seeking to operate against believers in Christ, he's proficient in the law. He knows that if he can bring believers back under the law, he can disable their faith by sowing doubt, which renders them ineffective. 
It stops you from walking in what is already promised to you in Christ Jesus. Did you hear that? He's out to stop you from walking in what is already promised to you in Christ Jesus. Do you remember how Paul asked the Galatians who had bewitched them? Why did he use the word bewitched? Why didn't he just say, who lied to you? Or who deceived you? Or who tricked you? He didn't use the word because the word bewitched literally means a satanic involvement. Principalities and powers operating behind the lie. It's because going back under the law is submitting to demonic powers. It is submitting to demonic power. It's not submitting to God. God is not operating through that now. He's operating through the Son. According to the work of the Spirit. Just as criminals use tools that were originally intended for good to perpetrate crimes, the demonic realm uses the tools that were originally intended for good to perpetrate crimes against God's people by twisting the way they use them in order to steal, kill, and destroy in your life. Guns are useful. You can hunt for food with a gun. You can protect yourself in your home with a gun. But in the hands of a criminal, a gun becomes bad. But it's not the gun's fault. It's the criminal's fault. And such satanic deception is settling over mankind right now. We would rather uh, blame objects that have no conscience instead of blame the user who does. There are so many things afoot right now that if you don't get this down and begin to understand it, you will not be able to walk in the victory that has already been given to you in Christ Jesus. You're more than an overcomer. Paul asked those Galatians, who bewitched you? The Bible says the law is good but only when it's used lawfully. In other words, only when it's used for its intended purpose. What is the purpose described for us in the New Testament? Well, it's for the unsaved. It's for the unrighteous. It's for the lawless. It's for the ungodly. It's for the rebel rousers. It's for those that live according to their own desires, that live not following Jesus Christ, have not come to know him and receive new life. That's who the law is for. It is not for the church. If you come back under the law, you are not setting yourself up to win in the two lower courts because your flesh will never comply with the law. Your flesh can't even comply with some of the desires of God and His will for you in the new covenant. Come on. 
by, by revelation, the seven churches of Asia, one of the churches were, was being rebuked because they couldn't even abide by the four things in the letter of the apostles to the Gentiles. Four simple things. And the worst thing they were doing was sexual immorality, which they were told to stay away from. And said, if you do, you will do well. They couldn't even deal with that. And so Jesus shows up to rebuke them. Not the church, the leader of the church who wouldn't address it. You're just letting it go on as if it was fine. Instead of instructing and equipping the people for who they were in Christ. The law is good when it's used for its intended purpose, but when you step outside those bounds, you are like a criminal taking a gun to perpetrate a crime against another human being. And if you're ever talking with somebody and trying to bring them under the law as a believer, you are acting criminally in the sight of heaven. Now, you should not marvel when Satan disguises himself as a voice for good and uses the law to set a trap of doubt and unbelief for you. His goal is to get you to doubt the truth concerning Jesus Christ. Truth that reveals what Jesus did and how it is to be applied to your daily life. Satan wants to coerce you to move away from grace to return to the lie of self effort when you are not going into the highest court as you should you are now trying to fight your battle in the two lower courts on the basis of self-effort and it won't work truth that reveals what jesus did and how it is to be applied to your daily life is what he's after to get you to doubt. He wants you to doubt it. He wants you to second guess it. Satan wants you to move away from that grace, get into self-effort. The Galatians were losing their battle in the courtroom of the soul because they abandoned the high court and succumbed to the lower court of public opinion and could not stand in the courtroom of the soul the way that they were called to do it. What public opinion? The Judaizers that came up from Jerusalem and said you have to become Jewish to truly be saved. How do you become Jewish? You get circumcised and you keep the law. You must be circumcised and abide by the law. If you don't do that, you're not really saved. That's what they were telling the Galatians. And Paul is sitting here and saying, that's satanic. It's satanic. Witchcraft doesn't have to be that you're worshiping Satan. Witchcraft is what you're doing to upset the children of God with demonic lies. To bring about deception, disruption, division, discord, witchcraft. That's what it is. Now, you can get very blatant, and of course, if you're praying and worshiping Satan, that's witchcraft. That's the clearest form of it. But the more dangerous form of witchcraft is that more subtle form, which is well afoot right now in our world. 
Because there are people trying to tell us that we should not be speaking out against certain things. We shouldn't call them what they are. We should be accepting of them. After all, you can do this, that, and the other thing, and it doesn't matter what it said in, a, you know, in, in 2 Corinthians 5 about it. It doesn't matter at all that, that 2 Corinthians 5 said that people who practice these things are damned. The only thing they have to look forward to is destruction and damnation. And it gives a whole list of things. And it makes it clear. And it's not using the law to do it. It's just saying that if this is the practice of your life, you've not been transformed. You're not new creation material. And only new creation material can see eternal life through Jesus Christ and go to heaven. Nobody who is not a new creation and had their life altered by the entrance of Christ can go to heaven. I don't care what they try to tell you they read in the Bible. It's a lie. No cheats, greedy people who take advantage of others for gain. That's a practice. It doesn't just happen once or twice. It's, it, they're characterized by that. No effeminate, meaning homosexuals. The gay community can say what they want to. God does not condone it. He loves them, but he doesn't condone it. He wants to rescue them out of it. But the more they stay in it, the more deceived they become. So now they're trying to get rid of the Romans 1 argument that says because they, they denied God and rejected him, he turned them over. Well, we're, we're in church. We're trying to follow God. But you're trying to follow him on your terms and not his. That's still rebellion. That's like walking into the high court and say, I get to come into the high court however I choose. Try that in a court of the, the land here. Let's see how that works for you. How about adulterers? If you have the practice of adultery, you're not his. You're in danger. Drunkenness, drunkards, not just getting drunk on occasion, uh, just a lifestyle of being a drunkard. I'm just telling you what the Bible says in the New Covenant. It's very clear about it. And it doesn't use the law to make it clear. It uses new creation, new covenant understanding. And the devil's going to argue against you because you know what? We don't always, you know, lying as a practice is one of the things mentioned there. Just, just lying. Some people would lie to you even if the truth sounded good. I, I met a country woman up in Greenville once, and I, I said, I was talking to your neighbor. She said, oh, honey, don't listen to him. I said, well, why not? She said, that man would climb a telephone pole covered in thorns naked just to tell you a lie. 
He can't kick the habit. People like that don't need to, I, I, they can try to create a doctrine to feel better, but inwardly they know the reason they're fighting so hard to get you to agree is because they're not convinced. If you're convinced, you don't need anybody's agreement. I'm convinced. You can tell me I'm not saved all you want to. I'll just laugh about it. I don't have to prove anything. My life being changed the way it is is proof enough, but I don't have to prove anything. I'm convinced. And I don't have to go out and try to make everybody align themselves to what I want to be and what I want to do so I can feel better about the sin that I'm in. But that's where we're at. And you better brace yourselves because they're targeting the church now. They want more laws on the books. You need to brace yourself. These courts are real. And if we don't start learning to win by going into that highest court, we're going to see a whole lot of stuff come forth that we weren't expecting. And we won't know how to deal with it. You definitely will not be able to deal with a court of public opinion. You'll find yourself sitting with somebody and they're, they're letting out of their mouth some stupid stuff. Opposite of what scriptural truth has to say and find yourself nodding your head just because you don't want the contention. And that's the same as giving agreement. I don't get away with that. I'm prone to say, where did you come up with that? Don't you know that the scripture says? Well, they might not like you. You've got to work here. So? My work didn't adopt me as a child. We have an agreement. I put in this amount of hours doing the job they called me to do, and they pay me a salary for that. If I'm in a workplace, that's the way it works. I just sat and heard somebody espouse to me something that's their belief system, and now you want to tell me I can't say mine? You need to get a life because I'm going to say it. Come on. I'm going to win the court of public opinion because I'm not going to give in to what they say I have to do. What are you giving into? Every piece of ground you give up, the devil is not characterized by you give him an inch and he takes a foot. You give him an inch, he'll take a thousand miles. He'll ride that pony until it drops. The Galatians were losing the battle. In the courtroom of the soul because they abandoned the high court. And they, they had already given in to the, lower, the lowest court of public opinion. See, Satan's greatest success comes when someone says, quote, I am working in my own strength and power to improve myself in that area. 
Or I got a book on how to rid myself of that vice. Or I'm stepping up my game to do better. I am. I am. I am is his name, not yours. See, Satan loves to push what you can and should do in your own power. What you can do to improve yourself. What you can do to transform yourself. What you must do to make up for what you've done wrong. That's why these people that want you to acknowledge them in their sin as being okay, they're very generous. They're very giving. They're very caring. Why? In order to try to prove they're not that bad. When I'll tell you that in my flesh dwells no good thing. And I've not done anything to hurt anybody. I've not made it my aim to unjustly treat anyone a certain way. Make anyone pay for anything. I'm out to try to bless people, encourage people, help people. But I'm not doing that so that people must agree with my opinion about what God accepts. This is going out on live stream. Brace yourselves. It's time that notice is served on the powers and the principalities. The church cannot be afraid. And I'm not being political. I'm being kingdom. I'm of a different kingdom. How is Satan trying to push you right now? If the battle in the courtroom of the soul is lost, it leads to an expectation of rejection and punishment that's fueled by your doubt. If he can get you to doubting what the gospel said, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. So how can you possibly win in the courtroom of the soul? Well, you have to first appear before the highest court to get what you don't deserve. What is it that you don't deserve? Mercy. Mercy. The very definition of mercy is being given something you don't deserve. You deserve something else, but you're getting something good in its place. That's mercy. If a criminal were to show up in court and say, Your Honor, I throw myself on the mercy of the court, and he's guilty. He's guilty of what is, has been said he's guilty of, and it has a sentence to it. And the judge says, nah, here, uh, let's, let's help this guy get back on his feet. We're going we're gonna to cover your expenses to go to this course. We're going to do this. We're gonna... That's mercy. Mercy. If you don't go to the highest court to get that mercy, you're not going to be able to stand in the two lower courts. Because the way you stand in the two lower courts is based on the verdict of the higher court. It's like what we're witnessing in our country regarding the abortion issue right now. Nothing was being done to bring an end to the way things were because all of the attempts to fight in the lower courts was, were futile. Why? Because there was a higher court standing. There was a ruling in place. There was a higher law still on the books in the Supreme Court. But once that law was reversed in the Supreme Court, 
Each state can now implement laws to bring an end to abortion. See, the lower courts can't overrule the highest court. This gives attorneys now a leg to stand on at the state level they didn't have before. Before they failed because a high court had not rendered the verdict to overturn the existing law. But once the law, hear this in your spirit, once the law was out of the way, victory. You got to get the law out of the way. You don't win the court battle of the soul till you've gone before the highest court to settle your case. The devil's never going to be sent packing because you think you're good enough, that you've done enough to offset the bad, or because you feel like you've already paid for it. Such arguments have no power to shut him down. You have to be able to bring the verdict of the highest court to argue your case. And to handle the lower courtroom appearances, you must be convinced in full assurance of faith that you have a right to appear before the highest court there is. So go to the highest court first, and then you'll be ready to go face the two lower courts. What gives you the right to appear before the highest court with confidence? Confidence that you'll receive what you do not deserve to help you in your time of need. What gives you that? You know, there are a lot of professing believers that don't know the answer to that question. We're facing a a generation of the church that is poorly equipped because they've been more raised up in law than they have been in the grace of the new covenant. This confidence, saints, is based on your courtroom advocate. It is not based on you. Your advocate and what he did. You have to settle the fact that Jesus already took all your punishment. He already took all your punishment. He took it. All the punishment you deserve was placed on Jesus when he suffered leading up to and upon the cross. God punished Jesus for your sins, past, present, and future. He paid for it all. By grace through faith in him, you can now enter the highest court to receive mercy to help you in your time of need. What need? A need like that of being able to stand in faith against the accusations of your enemy in the two lower courts. Where you're doing life. Everybody wants a set of formulas for how do you win in daily life. I need a life coach, they say. No, you need to learn to take advantage of what is yours in the highest court. You'll have victory. God punished Jesus already for you. See, if you don't learn how this works and employ the benefit of Jesus, your advocate, the way God set it up, you're going to lose your lower court battles and fail to experience the victory you've been promised in this life. And then you're one of those people who sit in meetings where the presence of God is moving very powerfully. And all of the promises are totally available. 
You're that person sitting in that meeting saying, Boulder Dash. These people just need to get a clue. There's just some things that you don't get to enjoy in this life, and you just need to deal with it. Okay, Sarah, Sarah, what will be will be. You can't change it. And so the will of God goes unaccomplished in the earth when people think that way. You know, it's incumbent on you and I for the will of God to be seen in the earth. Why did Jesus teach the disciples to pray in the model prayer? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because it's not being done. Just because God wants it done. God is not arbitrating his will on the human race. Are you hearing me? He's not even arbitrating it on the church. The church has to know what it is, agree with it, and implement it. Your faith is not just saying, I believe in something. Your faith is implementing it, putting tennis shoes on it. Jesus said, he said, you, whatever you bind in heaven will be bound in heaven. Whatever you bind, what you loose in heaven will be loosed in heaven and on earth. The apostles had the power to loose things on the earth that the earth had not seen yet. Jesus said, greater things than, than I have done, you shall do. You'll do the things I've done and even greater things. He's talking about the church exercising her authority in the earth according to faith. You can't do that if you're not going into the highest court. If you're not convinced that every day of your life you've gotten given the mercy that you need, come on. You can't apply what God says about your life in your situation. And it doesn't matter how many people tell you. It won't make a difference. You have to be convinced of God. You have to be convinced of God. When you lose the battle in the courtroom of your soul, the enemy steals your joy, your peace, your sense of well-being, any expectation for miracles, and your ability to receive the wonderful promises you've been given by God. He steals them. Why? Because you'll be like any other human being. I don't deserve it. Of course you don't deserve it. But you get to get it if you understand mercy. If you understand the goodness of your father. If you understand the punishment Jesus took for you. If you really do get the gospel. Yeah, don't deserve it, but it's mine. As a free gift, it's been given to me. And nobody's allowed to take it away. That's how you fight the good fight. Fight the good fight of what? Faith. Not an argument for why people should think you're a good person. Not an argument why they should just agree that all your motives are perfect. Not an argument for why you deserve to be treated well. Instead, an argument that I'm as undeserving as the greatest sinners has ever lived. 
But my faith is in Jesus Christ who took the punishment of my sin upon himself at the cross. And because of that, today I've been given a brand new mercy to help me. Even in this moment of discussion with you, you need that same kind of mercy. See, the church is going to try, and it's sad, but the church is going to try to win the debate of the abortion issue on the merits of what it's been doing, the good things it's been doing. Because the world is going to try to say, now that you took something away, what are you going to do? Step it up. What are they trying to do? The court of public opinion is trying to get you to stand your ground on your own self-effort. Good luck with that. Because who has the resources? Come on. To deal with this bigger problem as it is. Only God. Only God. And God isn't moved just because we succumb to public opinion and say, well, now we're going to start a ministry because the public persuaded us we're not good enough. That's not the reason to start a ministry. If somebody comes into the church and says, well, I think the church should have, that's not a reason to start doing it. The only reason to start doing anything is because the Holy Spirit said it needed to be done. Now, if the Holy Spirit is speaking through them, that's a different thing. But that's not always the Holy Spirit speaking, is it? Right? See, if you don't win, if you don't know you've been victorious in the higher court, you get to the court of your soul and you get to the court of the public opinion and you are tossed to and fro, back and forth. You can't concretely determine what is yours to be doing and so you're all over the map then you're overwhelmed and you're worn out and now you're blaming sources that are not the reason for why you are experiencing what you're experiencing this is why getting the gospel right Letting it establish grace in your heart and then sharing it with others is so important. It's why the new covenant revelation is so vital to you. The new covenant is your defense. It's the authoritative, legal, unconquerable argument that destroys the accusations of the enemy every time with 100% effectiveness. How do you know that? We read it in Revelation. They overcame him. By the blood of the lamb and the works that they were. That's not what it said, is it? I was wondering if you catch that. By the word of their testimony. And the reason they did not love their lives to the death, they knew the testimony would enrage those that are influenced by the demonic principalities and powers. It's risky business to fight the good fight of faith. The new covenant is your case for real freedom. 
real freedom. See, if you can't stand in the court of public opinion as one convinced of the truth concerning Christ, and you can't stand in the court of your own soul against the accusations of your enemy as one convinced that Christ paid it all, and it was enough. You cannot fight the good fight of faith. And you cannot experience the freedom that is obviously yours to have. What would be the problem? You haven't settled that your case in the high court has been thrown out. Thrown out. And can't be brought back. You understand that? He doesn't get to show back up in heaven all of a sudden and say, I've got new evidence. He doesn't get to do that. And when you become convinced of that, and in your soul, that wrestling match starts to happen about the right and the wrong and the this and the that, you know how to silence that argument. They overcame him by the blood of, you know, you can even agree with your accuser in that courtroom and say, you know, you're absolutely, in my flesh there's nothing good. You could, you could sit here with a list a thousand miles long and probably be true on every count. But I'm under the blood. And you've overstepped your boundaries. It's sort of like when Paul and they had beat him and he told the captain, he said, is it lawful for you to scourge and punish a Roman citizen without a trial? And they were all of a sudden trembling in fear. Why? Because it's not lawful. When the enemy comes to try to condemn you, it's not lawful. He's overstepping his boundaries. But see, if you, don't, if you don't know that, if you don't understand that, if you're not going into the high court realizing that what you got when you went there was not a verdict of guilty, but a verdict of, I'm for you. Are you hearing me? You will not know that the enemy is over. You will agree with his accusations and stay there. Well, this kind of thing just runs in my family. Well, I brought it on myself. Well, you know, I probably deserve it. Where did you get that thought? Why don't you start asking yourself where you get these thoughts? Do you know you're going to have people come at you almost every day of your life with an idea of how you should handle things that pertain to them? Every day of your life, that's going to happen to you. 
And then the enemy's going to try to piggyback that and tell you how bad a person you are. Because you did not satisfy their demand. Of what they say. And, and it's gotten so bad now that somebody can be in the place that they are right now, in a bad place, because they will not surrender to Christ. They will not surrender to the wisdom of anybody who's in Christ. They will not surrender to any authorities of the land who have also sought to instruct them. They won't surrender to anybody, but then they'll show up and they'll claim something of a connection with you that makes you beholden to help them. And yet another situation they got themselves into. And they'll say things like, I thought you were a Christian. If you really loved, you would. See, if you, if you fall prey to that every single, you, you're not free. You're not free. When people try to pull that on me, I say, well, I don't owe any man anything except to love him, and it's loving you to not read you the riot act right now. What I am going to tell you is you are here because you refuse to surrender your life to anyone and especially God. So there's not anything I can do to truly help you. It's like trying to put a Band-Aid on the end of your arm after you've cut part of it off. You're going to continue to bleed. I haven't done a thing for you. I'm not going to be foolish. You can, you're allowed to think whatever you think. I, the truth is I stand or fall before God, not you. And the last I checked, he didn't hand his throne over. Do you have that kind of confidence that you can say to somebody? I stand or fall before God, not you. You need that kind of confidence. You're not going to get it unless you go into that higher court. So let me wrap this up. The new covenant is your case for real freedom. You need to get well-versed in it. You need to believe it. You need to receive it. So my encouragement to you is that you immerse yourself in new covenant gospel truth. Preach it to yourself. Always. Every day. Every day. And don't accept any other gospel. Paul told the Galatians after telling them who bewitched you. Paul said, even if an angel or myself were to come to you and preach a different gospel than I first delivered to you, let them be accursed. Basically, what he's saying, let them go to hell. Some of the strongest words in the New Testament used. That's how fierce you need to be about the gospel you've chosen to believe. You need to be fierce about it. Fight a good fight of faith according to it. Not according to your feelings and emotions. They are affected by the arguments of your enemy and peers and others. Public opinion can affect your emotions. Something you ate can affect your emotions. 
A cloudy day can affect your emotions. Come on. Don't rely on those. Rely on the truth of the good news of Jesus Christ that was delivered to you. Immerse yourself in it. The fight is amping up. It is amping up. And they're trying to prey on the fears of the populace right now, saying that the church wants to take away their rights in all kinds of areas. They're using it as a battle cry. And they're hoping that if they are squeaky enough wheel, they'll get the grease. Don't dismiss it, saints. A less than 1% populace of this nation got laws passed to protect their way of life and to get it permissible to teach it in our educational system. Don't dismiss what's happening. Jesus is coming soon. The attack of the enemy is going to get stronger and stronger and stronger. Don't dismiss what I'm telling you this morning. You have the victory. You need not tremble in fear at what's coming if you're going into the high court and getting the mercy that is yours every day. Every day. Every day. Not just once a week. Every day. Go get your mercy. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Oh, by the way, we're going to have uh, Prophet Michael Cotton with us next Sunday, so you won't want to miss that. He'll be here sharing with us. He's a brother that many years ago gave me an exact number of something in my life, and it came to pass exactly the way he said it. And so I've seen him be accurate many, many times. So um, he's a prophetic voice. and. God uses prophets to equip us, so we'll see what the Holy Spirit's put in him as it pertains to us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we pray right now in the mighty name of your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we want to take advantage of the high court that you invite us. You tell us to come in boldly. Lord, we're not going to come in timid. We're not going to come in acting all sheepish and thinking that that's going to move you in some way to rule in our favor. You, you want us to come in with confidence, confidence rooted in Jesus paid for our sin already. And therefore, we are righteous coming before you. And now we're coming with these certain needs that we have in this particular life right now. And we need mercy. And you're ready to give us that mercy. You're ready to equip us to face what we're facing. The wisdom we need, the power that we need, the provision that we need the healing that we need, the revelation, whatever it is, Lord, the miracle, whatever it is, you are prepared to give it to us. Lord, we want to walk in that more and more and more. So, Father, I'm praying right now that the seed of this word will sink deeply into every heart and it would be watered by the Holy Spirit, bringing it up again and again until it springs forth and brings forth an abundance of fruit in every life. Oh, let everyone walk in the confidence that is theirs in Christ Jesus, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. You receive it? He's still 